Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Man Talk. Today's topic, we're going to talk about um, being in a prison. Um, So let me let me start out by giving you the story um, and then we'll get into the topic. Um, So in, in the the book of Genesis. Um, there's this guy by the name of Joseph. And, uh, you know, you may have heard about Joseph and the amazing Technicolor dream coat. And Joseph had the coat of many colors of, or something along those lines. Well, Joseph was the son of Jacob. And uh, Jacob had 12 sons by really four different women. It was, it was uh, um, Rachel. And Leah, who were sisters, and then it was Rachel's uh, concubine, and it was Leah's concubine. All four of the women had children by Joseph, I mean by Jacob, and and uh, out of all these four women, the only woman that Joseph, jo- uh, Jacob really loved was Rachel. Um, the Bible said he kissed her and fell in love with her. He worked seven years to get her. He got tricked instead of getting Leah. I mean, instead of getting uh, Rachel, he ended up getting her older sister, Leah, the Bible called tender-eyed, which basically means she wasn't cute or cock-eyed. Um, so however you want to interpret that. And, uh, and so then he had to work another seven years to get Rachel. And then he had to work another seven years to build up some, some type of wealth in order to take his family you know, and so this is this is kind of like the track of Jacob. Well, uh, after he got married to Leah, then got married to Rachel, um, Leah started having kids. Leah had four boys, uh, um, Reuben, Simeon, Levi and Judah. And then uh, her handmaiden had a, a kid or two. Um, and then uh, Rachel, I mean, uh, uh, Rachel's handmaiden had a kid. Then, um, what's her name? Uh, 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 Jacob prayed and God opened up the womb of Rachel. And Rachel had a son and his name was Joseph. Joseph was the first child born of the union between Jacob and Rachel. And... As fate would have it, Jake, Joseph was the youngest of the of the of the kids, and a joke, so so Joseph was would like hang around his his older brothers, and because um, they were they, you know they were all in the same family, same village, whatever you want to call it, and uh, eventually Jacob, I mean Joseph has a younger brother, the second child that Rachel has, and by the name of Benjamin, but we're gonna focus on the fact on on Joseph today. Now Joseph was cool with his brothers. He didn't have a problem, but his his as 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 he was growing up, he began to uh God began to to give him dreams and and um Joseph, you know, one day in 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 his innocence, um he said um he said, I, you know, I had a dream that, you know, your your uh your flock or your 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 cows were were bowing down in obeisance to mine, and uh, his brothers got offended. Like you know, it was you think we gonna serve you? 
You know, it was already they were not now, mind you, they had a problem with Joseph, not because of Joseph who Joseph was, was but they had the problem with Joseph because of how his father treated him. Now mind you, they all got the same father, but Jacob played favoritism with his kids, and Jacob made this coat for Joseph of many colors. Basically made him a coat so he would stand out from everybody else. You know, he wasn't just another kid. He never he just was another another one of jo uh, Jacob's boys. He was Joseph. You know, this is the love child. This is this is uh this is Rachel's son. You know, don't get him confused with nobody else because uh you know Jacob didn't love Leah. You know, and the handmaid just just they were concubines and, and so they just they they was for the for for the, the husband's use, so to speak. And um and as fate would have it, one day, um Joseph Joseph goes out to hang out with his brothers, you know, hey, you know, it's you know, uh let me back up. Well, I said another episode, um Joseph says hey, he comes in the house and he tells his his brother and he says, Hey, I had a dream last night that the the uh Sun, the moon, and the stars were bowed down in obesity to me. And they really started to hate him because he was having dreams, you know. And he's, his father loved him more than he loved anybody else and he played favoritism with him, you know, as if, you know, Joseph was the only kid that he had, you know. And, you know, there's always a great danger in playing favoritism with your kids, you know. You can make your kids turn on each other based on the way you treat them. You know, for me, you know, I look at it as, you know, which is which would you rather have your right hand or left hand? Which one is better? And truth, truth be told, I want them both, you know. And so um, I don't I don't love one more than the other. I, I need them both for for different reasons, because if if I need to scratch under my right arm, my right hand can't do that. <laughs> so I need so I need both my hands, you know. Um. So what? uh what happens uh, one day, uh, Joseph goes out to meet his brothers. They're out in the field, or they, and, um, and uh, the brothers decide to get the, they concoct this plan to, to, uh, sort of to kill Joseph because they hated him so much. And you know it's bad when your brothers hate you so much they want to kill you. And uh, Joseph was not, Joseph didn't hate them. They hated Joseph. And Joseph was just a kid like, you know, like any other kid, you know, he like he likes all the brothers and he's hanging out with them. And unbeknownst to him, they hate him and, and uh, they throw him in the pit and they take his coat and they throw him in the pit. And they, they left him there for dead, uh, thinking some wild animals might come and and, uh, you know, kill him and devour him and eat his body, you know, and and so. um they put him in a pit and they went on their way. Well, this guy Judah, one of the brothers, he doubled back and he got Joseph out of the pit and he sold him to a band of Ishmaelites um, that were on their way to Egypt. He sold him into slavery. And um, uh, then they took Joseph's coat and they covered it with blood and and they, they uh, went and told their father, it's like, hey, Joseph got, he got attacked by a wild animal and this is what is left of his coat. And Jacob 
lived the rest of, well, not the rest of his life. Jacob lived the, the next, I think it was right around 60 years of his life, thinking that Joseph was dead. And when actuality, he was sold to a band of Ishmaelites and he became a slave or a worker in the house of Potiphar, who was over, he was the captain of the guard in Egypt. And, uh, and Joseph, Joseph had a, had a grace on him for leadership and, and Joseph excelled at his job. And Potiphar put him over the entire house. He was running Potiphar's house. He was the man in Potiphar's house. Everyone had to answer to Joseph. You know, Joseph was handling his business, you know. And uh, as, as, as fate would have it, uh, Potiphar's wife started getting, you know, started checking Joseph out. You know, he's like, you know, he got this, you know, younger guy. He got, got a little authority, you know, he running, handling his business and became a little attractive to her. And she, you know, gave him a little wink, wink. Joseph wasn't trying to hear that. She passed him a little letter, you know, uh, you like me, check yes, check no. You know, Joseph wasn't trying to hear that, you know. And um, and then one day she says, uh, I got to have him. Because Joseph was like, I'm not, no, I'm not going that route. And she grabs him and she's trying to get Joseph to lay with her. He says, you know, you know, my master's put me over everything in the house except his wife. I can't, I will not disrespect him. And Joseph was clear, I'm not going to disrespect Potiphar by sleeping with his wife. No, nah, I'm not doing that. And when he went to leave, she grabbed his coat. And he was like, <coughs> you can keep the coat. And he ran out of his coat, man. He ran out of his coat to get away from her. And uh, wouldn't you know it, lo and behold, Potiphar comes home and she cried rape. She said, uh, Joseph tried to come in to me and, and, uh, I fought him off and here's his coat. Cause he left it, you know, and, uh, you know, it's a terrible thing when you get accused of something and they have evidence that you did it when you actually, you didn't, you know, Joseph first, his brothers hated him. He threw him in the pit and he didn't do anything to be thrown in the pit. He didn't do anything to even, he, according, in, in his mind, I have, he hasn't done anything for them to even hate him, you know. And then he gets to Potiphar house and you would think that being slowed in slavery would be bad enough, you know. And then, he, you know, he's running the house and so he got, he got him a decent job and handling his business. But wouldn't you know it, somebody just want their way and because they couldn't have their way with him. You know, they lied on him for no good reason. And so Potiphar takes Joseph and throws him into prison. And, you know, it's a dangerous thing for for you to be in a prison. You know, it's sometimes, you know, it's, it's where, you know, you find yourself in a prison because of something you've done. But then sometimes you find yourself in a prison because of what was done to you. And the end result is that you're in a prison. And sometimes if we're not careful, we can find ourselves walking around physically free, but spiritually and mentally and emotionally in a prison.
and we're in a prison because we're confined, because we can't express ourselves, because we we have learned to function in this this small space. We have learned to uh, adapt to our environment. We 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 start to do the same methodical, mundane, routine, ritualistic thing day after day after day after day. And if you've ever been in a prison, your days, your Mondays look just like your Fridays and your Saturdays just look like your Mondays and and everything is the same. You get up at the same time, you do you eat the same thing, you Go this the same time, and then you go to that the same time, and you go back to your bunk the same time, and then blah, 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 and then you go to bed, and you get up in the morning, and you do the same mundane routine all over again. And some of us have found ourselves in this place because we are so afraid of making the wrong decision until it became a, it's become a safe haven. Prison has become safe for us. Because it limits our expectations. And we have no expectations. And we don't have to overthink it. We just, we're, we're willing to, to shrink ourselves and reduce ourselves to this small space of no expectation. Because we're in a prison. And we can blame the white man and we can blame the black man and we can blame the, the yellow man and we can blame society and the economy. And it's my mother's fault. It's my father's fault. You know, I have a, a rough upbringing. I, you know, I was I was abused as a child. I was neglected as a child. Uh, um, the system took advantage of me and I didn't get a good education. And we can have a myriad of reasons. But at the end of the day, we are still stuck in a prison. And for some of us, we went in. We went into a prison because we wanted to, because we weren't going to let um, anybody hurt us. We weren't going to allow anything to happen to us again. And we're going to go into this self-preservation mode. And uh, so we go into a prison. And if you're not careful, you'll go from won't come out of the prison to can't get out of the prison. And when you can't get out of the prison, uh, you have screams that cannot be heard and tears that will not fall. And no one knows you. Because you're in a prison and no one understands you because you're in a prison. And we think we know how you are, but we really don't because we never known you because you have been in a prison. And you can't even understand yourself. You don't know yourself because you have reduced yourself to this prison. And you've reduced yourself to this small footprint of space in this, this small environment and this you grow content and just working a nine to five and going home and sitting on your couch and, and no one knows your passion for poetry and no one knows your passion for the arts and no one knows your ability to 
to conversate and articulate and no one understands the grace that's on your life because you have reduced yourself to a prison. And if you're not careful, you'll smile and you can hang out and you can get married and you can have kids and all the while live in a prison. And you will be present but still marked absent. You will become insignificant where you're supposed to be most significant because you have reduced yourself to a prison. And you have given your power and your authority to someone else where you essentially say, no, you take the keys and drive. Because in order for you to do it, you would have to come out of your prison and you're stuck in the prison and your thoughts are in the prison and you cannot think outside this window because you're in a prison and and you have lost all sense of contact with even your own identity. And now you can only reduce yourself to trying to mimic others that you see and try to be a cheap copy of someone else because you don't want to come out to prison. It's more convenient for you to see someone else and reiterate what they said and talk and say what they talk about what they know and try to pretend it's your information when you really get any from another source because you don't want to invest in yourself because you're in a prison and you have gone from won't come out to can't get out and Joseph had to tell the butler, he says, when you get out to prison, don't forget about me. In other words, you stay in the prison because you want somebody to send help to get you out to prison. And I got news for you. Uh, the only person that is qualified get you out of prison is Jesus Christ himself because the Bible said when I couldn't come to him he came to where I was and he can take you by the hand and lead you out of the prison and that is the saving grace that we have is no one else knows us like he knows us no one knows what's in us like he knows what's in us. No one knows our potential. No one knows our ability. No one knows our gift. No one knows our purpose but him. And if you would allow him to, he will take you by the hand and lead you out of that prison. Because I got news for you. You can send word all you want. But no one is going to come and get you out of that prison because no one has the ability and the capacity to get you out of that prison. And quite frankly, no one really knows that you're in the prison other than him. And he knows who you are and he knows where you are. 
and he is not slack or slowful concerning his word. And if you want out of the prison and you say, I'm tired of being prisoner to drugs and I'm tired of being prisoner to promiscuity and I'm tired of being prisoner to alcohol and I'm tired of being prisoner to slowfulness and I'm tired of being prisoner to laziness and I'm tired of being prisoner to the mundane and the ritualistic and the whole hum everyday routine. I'm much more than this. God put much more in me. I have a greater vision. I have a, a, a desire to start a business. I have a desire to do more. I have a desire to inspire. I have a desire to speak. But you're in a prison. I'm telling you today, God can get you out of that prison if you would just allow him to get you out of that prison. If you would just sit there and say, Lord, help me. I'm in a prison and I want to get out, but I can't get out. And you just tell him, Lord, just be trans. If you're not transparent and honest with anybody else, be honest with him. Trust me, he is waiting for you to stretch forth your hand and open up your heart and say, God, I can't do this without you. I'm not going to make it without you. I'm going to mess this up if I don't have you. I need your leading. I need your word. I need your presence. I need your spirit. I need your grace. I need your gifting. I need your anointing. I need you to govern my steps. I need you to direct my path. I need you to govern my affairs. I tried it on my own. And my best thinking landed me in a prison. And I can't make it without you. I can't do it without you. I promise you, he will not turn a deaf ear to your request. He will not turn his face from your cry. He will be attentive to everything that you're saying. And he will take you by the hand and walk you out of that prison so you can become the man of God that he intended for you to be. So you can be the person that he had always purposed for you to be. So you can fulfill the destiny that he has called your life to be. Because his will is that you prosper and be in good health even as your soul prospers. But you cannot prosper in a prison. A prison is where you get stuck at. But it's never been God's will for your life. For you to be. In a prison. So I challenge you today. You can seek, search, search everything. And when you're done searching everything. And you can't find. Anything that's going to bring you peace. That's going to bring you purpose that's going to bring you direction that's going to bring you fulfillment try Jesus and I promise you he will get you out of that prison and when that happens you will know when you are out the prison irregardless of what other people think because one thing that I learned in life is that if you begin to talk to too many people they want to keep you in that prison because the prisoners love company. And as long as you're in prison with them, they're okay with your prison. And they will want you to stay 
in that prison. But God didn't intend for you and didn't intend for them. Because if you can get out, then you become that voice to help others come out that prison. And you don't ne- you never know how God is going to use you at any time for any reason and any moment. But I promise you, it's just a matter of time before he gets out of you what he put in you. And that is for you to grab someone else by the hand and say, by the grace of God, let's walk out of this prison. Because God didn't give up on me and he never gave up on you. And as people, we are dependent one to another. And when God begins to bless you, he in turn wants you to bless someone else. And you can say, man, I know what it's like to be in that prison. Let me show you a way out. God bless you. By all means, if this message has, has helped you, I give God the glory and the praise. Tune in. Always uh, navigate through the, the site. Um, we'll be back again sometime soon with another message on this Man Talk channel. I thank you for tuning in. God bless you. And you have a great and excellent day.